Hey, Hit Factory listeners, this is Aaron. If you're enjoying and want even more Hit Factory, including the entirety of this episode, consider becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com slash hitfactorypod. For just $5 per month, you'll get access to our premium biweekly episodes, bonus episodes, interviews, polls, and a lot more. Thanks for listening and supporting. Let's talk about the one part that made me laugh the hardest in this movie, which is the the, lath- <laughs> the lethargic dramatics of this film. So we already yeah. mentioned that uh, Julia downloads the Pelican brief to him in a very weird way on screen where they don't show her actually telling him anything. We just see them wrapping it up and she asks him if she can stay the night in the hotel to sort of protect her. And then he sits up all night working on you know, his notes for the story and listening to the tape recording and finding out about uh, Victor Matisse and his evil plan. And there's a scene that made me laugh hysterically in the movie theater where there's a huge <laughs> close-up of of Denzel and uh, scribbling away on the little Marriott notepad in the hotel room. Like this movie, there's so much of this movie takes place at the front desk of a hotel yes. and the, you know, the boring desk in, in the hotel room. Like it's just <laughs> such boring. It's like the movie that you watch in the hotel room while you're in a hotel. Yes. It's like watching a movie about people in a hotel room while you're watching in a hotel yourself. Anyway, yes. I laughed out loud at this flow chart that Denzel's working on where he circles law firm. He writes law firm. Then he writes Matisse, but he spells his name wrong and corrects it. <laughs> puts a C in it and then draws an arrow to White House. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the easiest like wow this goes all the way to the top hey eh? you know is this like law firm culti- some guy white house <laughs> it feels cultivated from a, a much lesser movie and from movies that parodied a lot of what what pakula you know put on screen to much uh, much better effect in his earlier part of the career. But it's also a preview of sort of galaxy brain QAnon thinking like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, you know, absolutely. Mountain Dew can law firm white house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I also was like really disappointed that he didn't do anything with white house. Like I wanted him to put like stars and hearts around it or something. And instead he just wrote the, wrote the words. Aaron had an interesting point though. Um, when we were sort of, talking about this spoon feedery um, to the audience where, you know, in the seventies when Pakula's working and, and there is this kind of a more readily critical posture on the part of not just mainstream media, but also the American public uh, of uh, to critique these institutions um, Mm -hmm. that have failed us. Then we get to the 90s and, you know, there is this sort of pervasive catatonia, this this kind of like apoliticism that we're we're floating in amid the end of history. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, When there is no society and we've figured out all of the world's problems. And so, you know, it's interesting, as as Aaron was saying when we were talking off mic about this, it's interesting to consider Pakula sort of understanding that this audience needs needs a little bit more of that like ham-fisted you know uh presentation because they're not they're not automatically 
scrutinizing. They're not coming from an investigative stance or critical stance of these institutions. You got to prime the pumps a little bit. Our conspiratorial literacy had kind of gone away by this point. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain naivete to the conspiracy thinking that's going on in this movie, because I mean, ultimately, this is a movie that they're going to show to Bill Clinton at the White House as a, Mm -hmm. you know, at a, at a, uh, you know, movie star gala in Washington, you know, like self-congratulatory kind of thing, like something for the Washington press to say, wow, this movie, I hope this will inspire a whole new generation of journalists to be like Gray Grantham. (laughs) Yes. You know, like that had more heft in something like All the President's Men, which absolutely uh, inspired a generation of people to become journalists and reporters. Yes. This movie would not inspire anyone to do anything. There is that that impetus, though, to fetishize, uh, you know, the journalistic pursuit of truth. Right. Um, That that those are there's that reference when they're doing some of the digging into the the storied past of the Pelican brief where they mention offhandedly that another reporter tried to like ran a, like ran a piece maybe in the New York times or something about campaign finance um, from the, from Matisse and that he was murdered. And to your point, Jesse, especially watching this in 2021, I was just like, the, the thought that we are, you know, so scandalized and and that the American government is so um, terrorized by this this truth coming out that they would go to these lengths. We do all of this out in the open all the time now, like mm-hmm. the the uh, exorbitant amounts of donations, the, you know, fucking fracking, like all the, all the shit that this movie was like so um so interested in in positioning as like deeply scandalous and and demented is like politics daily here mm-hmm. in America it it wants to bring up issues like environmental protection mm-hmm. and and stuff but it's not uh it's not uh, a movie that is like blowing the lid off anything <laughs> <laughs> absolutely precisely and that's what it feels like you know like we've already said this is a pretty toothless movie when it comes to its politics but it's also really reflective of all of the things that like clintonite america was really infatuated with right Mm -hmm. it's it is deeply uh in love with the knowledge economy it's Mm -hmm. deeply in love with sort of what we would call like professional managerial class work and Mm -hmm. and these like white collar jobs you know the, the the pursuit of truth in journalism lawyers I mean, one thing that this movie accidentally gets right is that, uh, you know, the way that uh, so many people in the establishment would feel threatened by this 22-year-old law student, uh, you know, (laughs) that rings true uh, when you think about somebody like Greta von Turnberg. Yep. Right. How everyone is so furious at her and what they hate most about her is that they can't sexualize her because she's a teenage girl. Um, But, you know, one of the things that is so sad about somebody like Greta Turnberg having the uh, the attention of the world is that there should be grownups talking this way. And why do we have to put all this on a teenager? Yep. Yeah. One of the other things that I, I find really funny in this film is uh, that at, at the end, the law firm who is representing the oil company uh, attempts to sort of terrorize Denzel and Julia Roberts by threatening to, to take legal action against them. Mm-hmm. And Denzel reveals, well, you know, we have we have your names here in this document. We, you know, we have the truth at our disposal. We have we have 
real proof that you were involved in this and of what you were doing. So you don't have a case. Yeah. And the lawyers back off. And yeah. we see and, and know that in our, our, you know, current sort of justice system, that that doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, especially when you think of uh, a case like Steve Dondiger mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and Chevron. Yeah. And it's, it, it just strikes me as very hollow and very false to think that, you know, that these guys couldn't find judges that were sympathetic to their cause and couldn't still uh, end up retaliating and and creating a lot of devastation to this reporter and this this law student if they really really wanted to you know and and another thing that makes this movie sort of invalid in the genre that uh, Pakula was so skilled at the paranoia thriller is that uh, it has a happy ending 